When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Coffee and Football, presented by BKCW. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined by Bobby Burton and CJ Vogel. And guys, speculation, speculation, speculation. That was the name of the game all day yesterday. Of course, there was some other news, too, but speculation everywhere about Sark, about the Alabama head coach opening. But he settled it, I think. Yeah, like no, it. I think it's good. I think, uh, <laughs> according to sources, uh, that Steve Sarkeesian uh, is uh, going to be a Longhorn, and it, this, there's no further source than himself. It's a great day to be a Longhorn. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian, not only him, but also his wife, L'Oreal, uh, uh, texting Texas. Uh, hey, if you have it on there, the president of the University of Texas, there you go, Blake. Uh, Jay Hartzell responds to L'Oreal Sarkeesian's Texas with a fight. Uh, Texas uh, expected to very much hang on to uh, its head coach, Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, there's uh, Malik Ogbo uh, running uh, a player uh, commenting again uh, on that uh, tweet as well. Look, uh, we're told that an extension has been agreed to, is not signed yet or any of that stuff. Uh, but uh, it's, suffice to say, Steve Sarkeesian hitting the road today will be on uh, several different campuses across Central Texas recruiting for the University of Texas. The Longhorns also host at least one official visitor over the weekend. Uh, they've got that going on. They're still recruiting guys out of the portal, including Jamari Caldwell, the defensive lineman out of Houston, as well as C.J. Daniels, the wide receiver out of Liberty. What this means, though, is this. Uh, that means that if Steve Sarkeesian is staying at Texas, uh, the situation in Alabama becomes more interesting. Because it looks like Kalen DeBoer is the odds-on favorite, followed by Mike Norvell and uh, Tommy Reese, the offensive coordinator at Alabama. A lot of those players uh, could be hitting the portal as soon as today. Uh, so be aware of that. Uh, there are multiple players on that roster that anybody in the country would want, including Texas. Uh, so we are monitoring that. A lot of people have mentioned the name Isaiah Bond. Uh, Texas would <laughs> most certainly... Uh, be interested in Isaiah Bond, the big play receiver for Alabama. He scored a touchdown against the Longhorns uh, this year on that deep route uh, that uh, Jalen Miller threw. A uh, lot of players uh, at Alabama that Texas would be interested in. It also allows us to start talking more seriously about the replacement for Bo Davis. Uh, right now, we can look at Bo Davis's replacement and say Texas is going to have to go at uh, different kind of guys. Some names that I've been given. These are new, a couple of new names. Um, first of all, uh, Freddie Roach is not a new name. He's the defensive line coach at Alabama. If he doesn't stay, if he doesn't stay at Alabama, Texas would be interested in Freddie Roach, I am told. Also, Ed Orgeron, the former LSU head coach, and Sark remain friends. Uh, Orgeron could be a candidate here. And that, that's not out of the realm of possibility. Uh, it's going to be a situation where it's a little bit fluid, but we'll see about it. 
Then another name that's come up, Zarnell Fitch. Zarnell Fitch is the defensive line coach at Texas Tech. Currently, he was at TCU under Gary Patterson. Pete Kwiatkowski uh, and uh, Gary Patterson are very friendly, as we all know. Uh, and it's being told that that may have been a recommendation from Patterson uh, to uh, Kwiatkowski. So Zarnell Fitch uh, at Texas Tech, Freddie Roach at Alabama, Ed Orgeron, uh, who is, yeah, he's a free agent right now, uh, former head coach at LSU, but a longtime defensive line coach, uh, is said to want to get back into coaching. He actually looked at being a defensive line coach at Florida, but couldn't make it work. Uh, so keep that in mind. Also, uh, two other guys that uh, are worth mentioning. Rod Wright, the uh, former Longhorn, uh, is an assistant to the D-line coach at the Houston Texans. Of course, they're in the playoffs this weekend. Frank Oakham, uh, also the D-line coach at uh, Toledo currently, the former national championship player for the Longhorns, has been the defensive line coach at Baylor as well as in the NFL previously. Uh, so all of these names coming up. But uh, if you don't have a smile on your face after a little bit of uh, concern yesterday uh, about Steve Sarkeesian and the Alabama, Alabama job this morning, you got things wrong. Uh, the Longhorns look like they're keeping their head coach, Steve Sarkeesian. That's right. Well, some other news that popped off yesterday, guys, um, and it's something that, of course, we all expected, is that Quinn Ewers is staying. And, Bobby, I'm going to play uh, this video real quick in case anybody missed it. Longhorn Nation. Ever since I was a kid, I've dreamed of playing quarterback at the University of Texas. I couldn't be more thankful to all my teammates and coaches, and I'm so grateful to be in the position that I'm in. God has shown me who I truly am these past two years that I've been here. And through the ups and downs, these fans and this university has always had my back. And with that being said, I'm coming back. <laughs> there you go. You're going to, hey, you're going to have that card back there. I know you are, Bo. I, I know you are, Blake. I'm going to work on it. I'm working on it. I may it. need some help getting it, though, Bobby, so I might be looking for a favor here soon. <laughs> All right. I think I think we need that card in for your back back display there. That's right. Uh, in, the, in your uh, background. No doubt about it. Well, guys, how big of a deal? I mean, obviously, like I said, it's something we expected. How big of a deal going into the SEC is yours return? Oh, it's huge. It it's you know without a doubt the biggest win of the of the off season. You know, uh, aside from keeping Steve Sarkeesian because that's your quarterback. That is year three in the same system that Quinn Ewers will be walking into while joining the SEC, in which the SEC could be you know a little bit open now with no more Nick Saban down there in Tuscaloosa. Obviously, Kirby Smart at, at Georgia is going to be that that team t people are looking to knock off still. But Quinn Ewers adds a, a, a tremendous boost to the Texas offense uh, going into next season. We already saw the jump from 2021 to 2020, or from 22 to 23, and that jump should even should, should sustain and, and be even larger from 23 to 24. Uh, Texas is obviously piecing together what you expect to be some pretty impressive pieces on the outside for him as well to continue this what I would consider a rather high-flying, high-scoring offensive affair. So uh, it's it's massive. That No bigger piece for the 2024 uh, roster could have been added than uh, an addition or, I guess, return of Quinn Ewers. Bobby? I, I think that it's huge. I, I, I'm in agreement with CJ. And the reason I say that 
is um, continuity. Uh, I think that the way you build things is improvement every single day um, in every single way. So whether it's Sark getting on the road this morning, like I, we know for a fact Sark is, I think he's set up to see six, at least six different schools today uh, along the I-35 corridor. Um, you know, you do that by, by small wins every single day. While Quinn Ewers is a big win returning, it's another win that's chalked up, right? Um, and so in my opinion, that's what I'm waiting on right now is that next win, you know, and it, it, it's not, it doesn't have to be big. It can be these, this junior day that Texas has lined up Blake right now that has 50 plus people. Coming. You know what I mean? It, it, it's incremental wins each and every day that can make you end up being a great team long-term. Now you need big wins. You need Quinn Ewers coming back. You need Steve Sarkeesian uh, re, uh, recommitting to the university. You need those big wins. Don't get me wrong. But it, it's just, it's go on to the next thing. What can we win at today? And uh, I, I, I think that uh, they won yesterday big, uh, not only with, uh, I say that not only with uh, Steve Sarkeesian returning, not only with Quinn Ewers returning, but now they need to go win at the defensive line coaching position. They need to go win in recruiting. Um, you know, that's, that's what's next. And that's how they keep going. Uh, I think Texas fans should be extraordinarily happy right now. Uh, good hats off uh, to three people yesterday. Not only Steve Sarkeesian uh, and his family, but also I want to say congrats to Kevin Eltife, the chair of the Board of Regents. I want to say congrats to, to Chris Del Conte, uh, the uh, athletic director at the University of Texas, and Jay Hartzell, the president of the University of Texas, because make no mistake, their hands were all over this retention of Steve Sarkeesian. If they weren't in combined forces right now, this thing would have been a much hairier situation for the University of Texas because Steve Sarkeesian, in, in, in my understanding, is the highest paid or will be the highest paid employee of the University of Texas system. This isn't a small decision. Okay. This is a big grown man decision uh, to put your, uh, your uh, money where your mouth is across the system as proud as the University of Texas. And look, I'm not just talking about football here. I mean, how many doctors are at MD Anderson? And, you know, that have to make millions of dollars every year. I mean, these are people that have high flying, good jobs, et cetera. Uh, but he'll be the highest paid uh, person in the UT system uh, with this with this extension is my understanding. Well, he no doubt about it has his uh, veteran quarterback coming back. And speaking of veteran quarterbacks, did y'all see that Casey Thompson now going to be heading to OU? I mean, talk about a journeyman went from what, Texas, Nebraska, uh, down to FAU, now over to OU. Curious to get y'all's thoughts on that. Go for I it. Say, how crazy is it? <laughs> I mean, you don't often see the, the Texas to Oklahoma flip or, or vice versa. We saw it with Brennan Thompson, but, not you know, quarterbacks is a bit of a different deal, let alone one that started at Texas and is now, you know, four years later almost returning to the same Red River shootout rivalry game on the other side. You know, this is, you know, it, it, it's taken forever uh, really for Casey Thompson's college career to really start, you know, I guess rounding up. And I'm not sure we're, we're going to see the end of it before uh, another encounter. So, I mean, how, how crazy is it? 
Casey Thompson to Oklahoma is the most appropriate thing I've ever seen in college football. After, you know, detouring at Nebraska, then Florida Atlantic, now going back to uh, Oklahoma. His dad, by the way, guys, uh, had the most appropriate Sports Illustrated cover of all time. I mean, I was in school at Texas when this cover came out. Uh, now, I'm, I'm not trying to make fun of anybody, but that if you if you actually remember this cover, okay, you and you were in school at Texas at the time, you're like, yes, you were nodding your head. Oklahoma's football program under uh, Barry Switzer was just off the rails. Um, and, you know, I, I feel I don't I don't mean to indict Casey by saying that at all. It's just more that Oklahoma football program was crazy. Crazy, crazy. That's and cool. uh, that that went off the rails at that point in time. Uh, but Casey, uh, we w- actually wish you nothing but the best. Uh, you were you tried your hardest when you were at Texas, uh, et cetera. Uh, we appreciate you. Best of luck, at, at, except one time. And that's the what I think October 12th this coming year uh, in the Cotton Bowl. It's crazy to me that he's played for Oklahoma's two biggest rivals and, or well, two of their three biggest rivals, I guess, in Nebraska and Texas both. And now Oklahoma. I mean, he's played for all three. He's going to play for all three. So, well, while we're on that subject, Kelly Hyden says, what do you think about 25-year-old men staying in college competing against 18 to 19-year-olds? Which is something I did want to ask y'all. So, great question, Kelly. I personally, look, I get it. It's been happening for decades at BYU. Um, so there's been some precedence for it. Now it's just the transfer portal in the COVID year that are exacerbating. It's also the NCAA taking a more lax viewpoint on eligibility. I mean, the NCAA is basically saying, we're not going to fight people over eligibility very much. We're, we're generally not going to do that. Uh, and the reason why uh, is is simple. They don't want to get sued by somebody for not getting their stuff. Uh, Casey's dad presided over Peter Gardier's wedding. This is true. Uh, Gardier and Casey and, and uh, 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 Charles Thompson played together in the w, or in the uh, Canadian Football League. Char, uh, Charles was the quarterback and Peter Gardier was the punter, and they got to know each other there. And uh, so they actually have a lifelong friendship. There you go. Yep. And then Oklahoma State, they're going to have a seventh-year quarterback <laughs> this year as well. So state of Oklahoma got the experience at the signal caller position, no doubt about it. <laughs> okay, guys. Well, Bobby, before we move on, why don't you let folks know how they can escape the insurance trap? Yeah, absolutely. BKCW, our friends there uh, have done a great job of trying to help people escape uh, the insurance trap. Uh, if your business had a frustrating insurance or employee benefits renewal, most likely you didn't hear from your agent all year. And then right before it was time to renew, they delivered the bad news of a rate increase. When that happens, it's called the insurance trap. BKCW tries to take you out of that trap by providing actual risk management consulting, not just price quoting, operating out of their headquarters in Austin and owned by a UT grad, BKCW uses a five-step process to identify your, identify your business's weak spots, design a plan, execute it, and monitor your situation throughout the year so that you can lower your insurance costs and effectively manage your company's risk. BKCW has already helped some of the most well-known construction companies 
restaurant groups, breweries, and nonprofits in Central Texas escape the insurance trap. And it all starts with a free risk assessment. Go to bkcw.com or send an email to info at bkcw.com to get started with a free risk assessment or claims audit and escape the insurance trap. And we want to thank them for sponsoring each and every Friday right here on On Texas Football. Well, guys, plenty of time to get your questions in, so please do so, and we'll get to as many as we can. And let's go back to the portal for a, a little bit here. UTX Horn says, any news on the tight end position? So a couple of couple of thoughts here. Uh, Texas is looking at a, a couple of opportunities. One of them is Ben Urisic, uh, a tight end out of Stanford uh, that is going to be a grad transfer. Um, but there may not be a rush on Ben Urisic at this point. And you're going to ask why. Well, just like Ryan Sanborn didn't join the Longhorns until the summer of last year, the, the uh, punter, you got to remember that Stanford guys graduate in March. So he couldn't be a midtermer no matter what. So we expect Texas to engage and try to get Ben Urisic on campus in the next couple of months, uh, as well as possibly look at other uh, tight ends that go into the portal, uh, perhaps someone from Alabama, for example. Okay, if that were to come to pass. Uh, also, they they checked in on Holden stays. Uh, it sounds like he's sticking with Tennessee at this point. Uh, Jordan Jolly out of Connecticut. Uh, we we're trying to figure out exactly all of this pieces of the puzzle. Uh, but Stanford doesn't. The Stanford player doesn't graduate till March. Maybe a little bit of a holdup there. They're not going to take him in. They wouldn't be able to get him anyways until the summer months. So that's that's the situation at Portal Tight End right now. Real quick, Casey says there's a Miami tight end who's petitioning the NCAA for a ninth year of eligibility. Holy crap. That's crazy. I mean, you could be a doctor. If yeah. you would have done it right, really? you could have been in med school. You could have your, your what, first year of – Residency by that time, that's an amazing amount of, uh, an amazing. That, that is insane. I'm going to have to ask my buddy about that one. Okay, here we go. Let, let it fly says, are there any portal options who would be a day one starter? Well, Andrew Makuba. <laughs> I mean, they've already got a couple. Matthew Golden. Trey Moore is going to definitely uh, fight for one in that category. He'll at least be in the rotation. Um you know, I think C.J. Daniels would be. I think Jamari Caldwell would be. That's the thing with Texas, and I and I know the pitch that they're giving these guys. I mean, it's C.J. Daniels went to Auburn. He was one of four wide receivers in the portal that were on the a visit at the same point in time. Well, Texas's comment to C.J. Daniels was, you know, you're one of two people here. One's a defensive lineman, one's you. We're not throwing spaghetti against the wall here. We're trying to isolate a few people that we want and cj daniels was one of those um so uh daniels by the way expected to visit lsu this weekend so he's not just looking at auburn texas florida uh, i do think it's down i think it's texas versus the field right now on that one we'll see if texas uh, if he ends up doing anything and i do i will say this if if the dam breaks at alabama for any reason at receiver, I think all bets are off on that. So we'll have to wait and see. 
Yeah. Uh, we're going to go back to tight ends for just a second. King Me says, as of now, which position group is the bigger question mark? Tight ends or linebackers? CJ, I'll let you start. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. I think it's linebacker just because there's multiple on the field at the time for the most part. You know, Texas has, you know, a pretty good understanding of what Gunnar Helm will bring to the table right now. Uh, just in the sense that you can hide tight ends in your your scheme for the most part as well with, you know, whether it be 11 personnel, you split them out wide. Texas doesn't necessarily have to go into 12 personnel all too often. And if they do, Malik Agbo has proven to be a pretty solid inline tight end option as well in the, the run and pass game from out there. So while the vertical threat is not necessarily going to uh, be as prevalent as it was in 2023 as a result of no more Jatavian Sanders, I do think that tight end spot is a little bit more at least well positioned right now as a result of knowing who and how your strengths are going to play out on the field as a result of Gunnar Helm and that room uh, still having some some familiarity with one another in that that room right now. Uh, linebackers more of who's going to be that big guy to step up for Jalen Ford uh, and really replace what he he lost I think that is the biggest piece David Benda coming back is clearly you know a tremendous win for the Texas staff in 2024 as well uh, but I mean Jalen Ford for two years was really that main piece in the middle of the Texas defense in which everything went through him Texas rotated a lot on their text on their defense Jalen Ford seemingly never came off the field that's to me is going to be the biggest hurdle to, to overcome and replace than tight end I, I, so good question. First of all, um, I actually am different than CJ here. I agree with everything he said. Um, I just, I, and, and what I mean by that, that his passion for Jalen Ford is legitimate. I mean, the guy was a rock for Texas. All right. I mean, just solid. Okay. I do think they're better situated to handle the loss at linebacker than they are to handle the loss at tight end. Now, Gunnar Helm is a good one tight end. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. But no one has proven behind him. At least David Benda has seen serious reps. Mo Blackwell is in that category too. Seen se serious reps. Leonga LaFowle, the coaches are, are, are clearly very high on, have, has even seen some reps. Darian Gallette uh, in that category as well, probably. So... You know, I feel like linebackers a little bit better situated than tight end right now because tight end, you have one that is truly played. Juan Davis, you know, he hasn't played much, you know, and uh, he's not – we know he's not exactly ideal size for what Sark likes to do and how he likes to use those guys. Spencer Shannon is still uh, on the come a little bit. He's only a true freshman right now. I, I feel like – I feel like – tight end is a little bit bigger of a overall question mark. I think with Anthony Hill and David Benda and Mo Blackwell, you have definitive answers. And, and CJ, I, I will add this. Sark doesn't really hide his tight ends. 
he wants to be he wants them to be a focal point. So I I worry more about that position right now than I do linebacker. I will add this: um, Kendrick Blackshire, uh, the linebacker from Alabama. It was up in the air. He he had been scheduled to visit Texas this weekend. As of late last night, it's up in the air whether or not he's going to visit Texas this weekend. Silas Bolden, the wide receiver out of Oregon State, still scheduled to come in. Bolden will be a mid will not be a mid year graduate though. He'll he won't be there for the springtime. He'll have to wait until uh, June as well, I believe. So Kendrick Blackshare up in the air as of this morning, or actually as of late last night when I, I got the latest news there. As far as uh, uh, Bolden, he's still set to come in. Okay, guys, we got a super chat. Let's talk about defensive line coach for a minute, defense tackle coach Justin Yarbrough. We'll start off with his. He says, Bobby, and by the way, Justin, thank you for the super chat. Bobby, what are the odds of Sark hiring Coach O? He would be a home run hire, in my opinion. And Bama fans aren't happy on the boards. They really wanted Sark. Um, I don't know about – I can't give you odds on Coach O, only that that, that is a – I don't, I think it's, you know, unless Coach O comes out and says, no, I'm not interested, uh, which I, he has not done at this point. I, I think that there's a, a possibility. I mean, you know, I, I really do. So we'll see if it actually happens. It would be, when I say home run higher, it would be the candidate that would knock it out of the park. It's, it's not even, it's, there's a, there's the 400 foot home run and then there's the 550 foot home run, right? This would be the 550 foot Jordan Alvarez thing goes goes over the you know top of the bleachers type thing. Uh, um, I, so there's that. I, I do think there's a real possibility as of as of yesterday. Now things could change on this. Uh, I've mentioned Freddie Roach at Alabama, Zarnell Fitch at uh, Texas Tech as well. I think are getting some play, uh, but uh, clearly that would be big. The thing about Alabama and in the second part of that question, Justin. Uh, Yarbrough asked was about Alabama fans and Steve Sarkeesian. Of course they wanted Steve Sarkeesian. Of course they did. They He just took them to the playoffs. He has ties to Tuscaloosa. Uh, he is a Nick Saban protege. Of course they wanted to keep it what they feel like was in the family. I mean, wouldn't you? I mean, think about it. Um, also, I find it interesting. And I will say this, the overtures from Alabama to Steve Sarkeesian were very real. So anybody thinking, oh, Sark wasn't really, can't, they were very real, I'm told. So Texas and, and Steve Sarkeesian coming out and saying what he did last night, the Longhorns moving forward, uh, got to feel good about that. But what I would say is what's interesting to me, here are the three finalists we now believe for the Alabama job. Number one is Kalen DeBoer, okay, Washington coach. Number two is Mike Norvell, Florida State coach. Number three, people are saying, is Tommy Reese, the offensive coordinator at Alabama that really did a great job in retrospect with Jalen Milrow this year, right? I mean, they came out of, they came out, you know, looking like dog, you know what, and ended up looking in the college football playoffs. They turned that thing around on offense and hats off to Tommy Reese and Jalen Milrow for doing that. But all three of those guys, DeBoer, Norvell, and Reese, all offensive guys. Think about that. And this is Nick Saban, who's he's doing the hiring with Greg Byrne. I mean, there's no way Greg Byrne is not going to have Nick Saban's, you know, anointment on this job. Uh, and so all of those guys, including Sark, 
offensive coaches. Where does what does that mean for a Nick Saban guy who's a defensive coach? It means that's the future, in his opinion, of college football is the offensive side of the ball. Bobby, you mentioned Zarnell Finch earlier out of uh, Texas Tech, and Gostel wants to know: Is he a good recruiter? Yeah, I mean, he he got uh, he is. Uh, that's kind of what he's been known for. He was uh, the head coach at Lincoln High School in Dallas, so he's another South Dallas guy. Um, he also uh, was at TCU after that, and, and per- player personnel, and then uh, he went to TCU and actually became the defensive line coach for Gary Patterson. He was a national defensive line coach of the year in 2017. Uh, a lot of you guys may remember Ross, Ross Blaylock, uh, the defensive lineman out of Houston area that Texas wanted, uh, A&M wanted, everybody wanted. Uh, Fitch got him over both of those programs. He went to Texas Tech with Joey McGuire when Gary Patterson was fired um, and immediately got that job. Uh, so he's a name to watch, I'm being told. I'm not saying he's a favorite, uh, but just a name to watch. There you go. There, there's his history right there for those that aren't very familiar with him. So uh, we're going to stay on the subject for a minute, guys. And uh, this next question from King Me says, which defensive line coach out there would you consider to be the best recruiter out of the ones that have been mentioned thus far? Well, Coach O certainly comes to mind with his <laughs> history and how, how you know, his reputation kind of uh, precedes itself in the sense of, creating and establishing relationships with everybody. You go back to those LSU days. Uh, I know there are so many stories of Coach O just walking into living rooms and winning over mom and dad almost immediately. And so if you're able to do that on the defensive line and kind of uh, use his ties, not only, you know, on the defensive line, not even really in the Southeast, but also, you know, in California and, and where else he's been, because he's been a, a lot of places. He's a guy that I think, you know, his, his, relationships and whereabouts have been all over the place and, and very and held in very high regard. I'll just say this, Ed Orgeron, if, if you were in the Cotton Bowl in 1991, uh, Ed Orgeron was on that out that Miami staff that had all of Cortez Kennedy, all those dudes. Just, you know, he, he can recruit defensive linemen. He was the defensive line coach on that team. Just, I am just telling you, the dude can recruit. Definitely wasn't. And evaluate. Hey, and evaluate. That's the thing about some of these guys. Some guys can just recruit names off a list. Other guys can evaluate. Ed Orgeron can do both. Cool. He is a great recruiter, especially along the defensive line. Well, we talked about recruiting. We've talked about evaluating. What about developing? Sid the Lizard says, which is the best developer in y'all's opinion? I don't know that. I mean, I wouldn't, I don't know. I don't know enough about Freddie Roach. I don't know enough about Rod Wright and Frank Oakham, even though I, I followed their recruitments and follow them as Longhorns. I don't know who the best uh, developer is. Well, we'll find out who Sark thinks it is. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually. <laughs> Good point to put it there. All right. We have another super chat from Just the Dude. He says, Can y'all name any defensive line players that Texas might take from Alabama if they entered the portal or who might Texas be interested in? I know Jaheim Otis would be one that I think a lot of teams in the country would go after almost immediately. You know, one of those 
prime nose candidates that we've been talking about the importance of having. Uh, clearly, Texas is after Jamari Caldwell at the moment as well. Jaheim Otis is one who's only a sophomore or, or was a sophomore this past season. Certainly one that would uh, intrigue a lot of interest from just about everybody in the S. Yeah, Jaheim Otis is one. I mean, look, they, there's like there are people that have guys, and then there's people like uh, that that Alabama has. Nobody has other than Georgia. Those two teams, maybe Michigan now, have a different caliber of defensive line right now. They just do. Well, guys, let it fly. Uh, we're going to go to over to the Alabama coaching search real quick. He says, DeBoer was scheduled to be on a radio show this morning in Seattle, but that has been canceled. I had texted y'all about that yesterday. Uh, he said, is he going to Bama and we can put all of this to rest? I mean, it sure seems like it. What do y'all Alabama think? fans want it to be over. They, they, yeah. This isn't something that they're used to. What's it been, 17 years since they've gone through any <laughs> sort of search like this? I, I think it. it's, it's something we've gone through quite a few times. Yeah, I think that it'll be DeBoer. I mean, Blake, you you brought up the uh, Vegas odds at this point. Uh, the thing that's interesting is that uh, Nick Saban asked for 48 hours of his existing players to not put their names in the portal until they got a new head coach. Okay. Well, it's going to be coming up on 48 hours in about six hours from now. Okay, so we'll see what all that means. Um, I can guarantee you that a lot of this will be, uh, you know, it. I can guarantee you this. They're probably they probably made a couple of different offers at this point, and it's probably down to numbers. And I know that UW is going to try to keep Kalen DeBoer. I just don't know that you can. I just don't know that you can because that. You're talking about an Alabama program that, frankly, is willing to go to 12, 13 million for the right guy. And I don't think even by going to the Big Ten like Washington is, they only get I think they only get a prorated share of the Big Ten money. Well, they just don't have that kind of cash flow. They just don't. Now, if some private donors step up and DeBoer says that's where I want to be. But let me ask you this question. After you saw Washington. Um, do you really think they can get the, the players they need there to win a national championship? They were one game away, no doubt. But do you really think they can get the amount of players they need at Washington versus where you're at in Alabama? And, and if you're uber competitive like some of these coaches are, I don't know that you can. I don't know that you can. Uh, we're going to stay on board for a second. Courtney says two questions about him. Does he fit in the South at, at all, like a program like Bama coming from the Pacific Northwest? And is he a good recruiter? Obviously, you kind of just touched on the recruiting point there, but what do y'all think? Well, I know he's a good developer of talent and a guy that can certainly recognize it. You don't turn Indiana into a nine-win program without being able to do one of the two. Indiana's Long been a dumpster in the or a dumpster program down in the Big Ten. He took them to you know heights that they had never seen before, and you know COVID kind of cut their run in a little short there as well. But what he was able to do with Penix, not only there but also in Washington, while assembling the Joe Moore Award-winning offensive line and 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 three NFL wide receivers all on that same offense, 
he he can figure out the how to get the pieces together to put together a very good team. Question mark, like you said, is obviously whether or not he can get the the talent that puts you over the top in terms of the national uh, presence and winning a national championship. I'm not sure because a lot of that is uh, the result of being a territorial, um, you know, kind of recruiter and having an impact in some of these big, you know, areas and regions where, you know, your defensive line and linebackers just are a little bit different. I so I, the one thing I don't worry about at Alabama for any head coach is recruiting very much. Um, and so the reason I say that I drove through Tuscaloosa the other week. Okay. Within three hours of Tuscaloosa, there's Atlanta, Memphis, Nashville, Birmingham, Jackson, Mississippi. And within five hours, you add new Orleans, uh, Tallahassee, all that area down in there. I mean, there's South Georgia, uh, you, you can trip over yourself finding good players down there. The, and, and just like a Texas, there's always going to be guys that grow up in the state of Alabama that want to go to Alabama. And Alabama per capita is one of the richest tradition state, a richest uh, romping grounds for NFL talent. So all of that put together, uh, I, don't, I don't worry about recruiting as much. Saban put it on steroids. Well, I'll, I'll be clear. And so he, I don't think he's going to ever put I don't think Kalen DeBoer is, is Nick Saban in that way, but Kalen DeBoer is a more innovative coach than Nick Saban. Nick Saban's a grinded out guy. And now an, a grinded out for excellence. Don't get me wrong, but Kalen DeBoer is 104 and 12 as a head coach. And the idea that he's a Pacific Northwest coach is somewhat incorrect. He's more of a Midwest. He's from South Dakota. Okay, he's not from the Pacific Northwest. He's been uh, successful at Sioux Falls, which is, I think, his uh, alma mater. As as uh, CJ mentioned, he went to Indiana and made them a nine win team. He left. The Indiana coach gets fired two years later. Okay, he goes to Flor uh, Fresno State, makes them a winner almost immediately. He's twenty one and three, I think, or twenty was it twenty one and three or twenty? I can't. Something crazy at Washington. Okay. He is a winning dude now. Um, you know, if if Steve Sarkeesian would have left, I would have said go after Kalen DeBoer. Yeah. I'm just so I, I think he is a great coach wherever you put him. Uh at Alabama, you have a special situation because recruiting, I don't want to say it ever takes care of itself because there's effort involved, but you can get players there. It's it's uh, right smack dab in the middle of the richest territory in the country when it comes to recruiting. Okay, guys. Well, I need to say cheers to the new year from our friends at Manscaped because your resolution shouldn't be the only things that are well kept. 2024 is the time for new hikes, new opportunities, and a new look for your Times Square balls. Manscaped's Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra you got right here is every man's cheat code to look good, feel good, and turn the page on confidence this year. Whether you're looking to maintain a trim or go for that clean shaven look, this trimmer has you covered. It's trusted by over 10 million men worldwide, and now is your time to get a grip on your grooming with our exclusive offer. Just go to manscaped.com, use code ONTEXAS for 20% off, and they're going to give you free shipping as well. 
Happy New Year or Happy New Balls. And introducing the MVP of 2024, Manscaped's fifth generation lawnmower. It's not just a trimmer, it's your grooming sidekick. It's equipped with two skin safe blade heads, a standard one for taking a little off the top, and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. It's like having a personal stylus at your fingertips or, well, wherever you need it. And did I mention it's waterproof, fellas, because the trim in the shower is the only way to start your day. So get 20% off and free shipping with code ONTEXAS at manscaped.com because nothing says Happy New Year like a deal that leaves your balls and your budget feeling refreshed. Embrace a new you and definitely embrace a new trimmer, courtesy of Manscaped. <laughs> they should just make I'm it an Blake in his, his final moments there. <laughs> oh. I, I really think they should just hire me as their national spokesperson, Bobby. It's that simple. <laughs> I'll write and be the spokesperson. I mean, it's a win-win for them. Damn. All right. Brandon Huey here with the Super Chat says, Aaron Butler will see the field next year. Mark it down. What do y'all think? It's going to have to take a uh, a really strong, you know, early session on campus for Aaron Butler. We've talked about how tough it is to crack that circle of trust at the wide receiver spot. Uh, there are, you know, several wide receivers ahead of Aaron Butler right now that have a similar uh, skill set and approach to the play style that he possesses as well. So, you know, I would love to see it. I'd love to see him, you know, maybe in a return game as well, but Texas has guys there. So, uh, it's going to have to take a strong showing early on for him to really start making headway on towards making uh, getting on the field very early. Well, let's talk about another guy out west, and that's Johnny Nansen, the new linebackers coach for Texas. And let it fly says, are there any options for Nansen to bring with him at linebacker? Not that I'm aware of, nor I don't think Sark is into doing that, by the way. I don't think any college coach really wants to do that like hire the guy and then have that guy go into the portal and come along with them. That, 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 that's not the right way to go about your business um, in college football. As a matter of fact, I don't know that I've ever seen that happen really much. I mean, now Holman Wiggins may be trying to do it. If Isaiah bond and I'm Holman Wiggins, the new A&M wide receivers coach was at Alabama. I could see him doing it. If Isaiah bond goes in the portal, but, that's a different story because the head coach retired, right? I don't necessarily see someone do it. Maybe Jalen Hill goes in the portal, uh, the wide receiver that out of Longview that Texas finished second on, committed to Alabama and signed with Alabama last year. And Holman Wiggins wants him at AM too. I mean, I can see that happening again because your co head coach retired. But rarely do you see, in, in fact, if someone can mention a situation like that, let me know. Um, because Mike, even Michael Penix didn't go straight to Kalen DeBoer. He stayed at Indiana while Kalen DeBoer went to Fresno State and then, or Lincoln Riley. There, <laughs> there you go with Caleb Williams and Mario Williams. That, that, okay. But, you know, that speaks to maybe that person too, a little bit, or both those people. <laughs> right. I mean, seriously. Yeah. Not just, and I'm not, I'm talking about not just, uh, Caleb Williams, but Lincoln Riley in particular. Yeah. 
Well, before we rehash the news, real quick, guys, I got one more Nansen question for y'all. Nathan says, Bobby, since you only named defensive line coach candidates, is it safe to say that Nansen is staying strictly at linebacker coach? Some outlets said that he's been considered for defensive line coach. Um, I think that he's linebacker coach until proven otherwise. Um, and so that's what I've been told. That's what he was initially hired for. Okay. Don't don't uh, kid yourself there. Bo Davis had told Texas he was re- he was returning last week. Okay. The situation changed at LSU this week. So Nansen was initially hired for um, the linebackers coach. Could that change given what we know now? Absolutely. I don't think it is, but hey, if they find a linebacker coach they like better, maybe. Um, Nansen and Sark go way back. They're great friends. And and Nansen has history, not only at linebacker, but also defensive line. All right, y'all. We've had a ton of people join us right here on Coffee and Football presented by BKCW. So let's go back over the big news of the day. Of course, we opened with all the speculation yesterday. Uh, especially with Sark going to Alabama. So, Bobby, I'm going to let you speak on that. Yeah, absolutely. Here it is. Uh, It's a great day to be a Longhorn. Steve Sarkeesian tweeting this last night. His wife also tweeting uh, Texas, followed up by a tweet from President, uh, the University of Texas President Jay Hartzell uh, that responded, fight. Uh, Texas appears to have reached an agreement with Steve Sarkeesian on a contract extension. Uh, There's a tweet from Malik Ogbo as well. Um, Look, Uh, All signs point to Steve Sarkeesian uh, remaining with the Longhorns. He'll be on the road today, making it, I believe, to at least six high schools uh, across the Central Texas area uh, today. Uh, uh, CJ, you're going to be out and about today at different high schools as well. Be interesting to see if you run into him anywhere. But my point being, and and what Texas fans need to take of it, it looks like Alabama's overtures to Steve Sarkeesian were very real, number one. Number two, Texas and Steve Sarkeesian seem to have made a choice and come to an agreement. So remove that angst or that concern a little bit. Uh, if you're a Texas fan, smile a little bit on the way. You know what I mean? Uh, but uh, we'll see where Alabama ends up with its uh, its head coaching search. It looks like it's going to be Kalen DeBoer out of Washington, if not Mike Norvell from Florida State, or maybe hire internally Tommy Reese at, at uh, the offense coordinator which I don't necessarily think would be a good good hire. But, you know, Nick Saban knows. He's the one, I think, making the call here. And then, can y'all give a quick rundown on where Texas stands regarding the portal? I could try. Jamari Caldwell <laughs> is still out there. The defensive lineman, uh, we're waiting to hear a word on him. Clearly, Bo Davis moving on to uh, LSU has complicated that. Uh, secondarily, Uh, Texas is waiting to hear from C.J. Daniels, the wide receiver out of Liberty. He's visiting LSU this weekend. LSU, Texas, and Auburn seem to be the play right now. I think Texas is ahead of the pack at this point. Uh, We'll see if they continue that after a weekend visit to Auburn. Silas Bolden, the wide receiver out uh, uh, out of Oregon State, is expected on campus this weekend as well. We are not sure at this late juncture if Kendrick Blackshire uh, the linebacker out of Alabama is still coming in to Texas this weekend. Uh, that was still that was actually up in the air as of late last night. So those are the those are the portal moves. Texas waiting on a tight end and and monitoring the portal for any additions that might be forthcoming uh, for a team that say whose coach just retired. 
right, y'all. Well, let's take some more questions here. And uh, let's start with Lexi. Lexi asks, what players that didn't see much playing time last year will have a breakout year this upcoming season? I'm going to let you name one on offense and one on defense. Well, I think the easy one to point to is Jonte Cook uh, on offense specifically. We didn't, I think only eight catches this year. He had the one big one against Baylor in which a lot of people saw the promise and kind of, uh, you know, potential that he could bring to this Texas offense with as many guys that have left. And we've kind of pounded this, this, you know, kind of talking point into the ground a little bit, but Jonte Cook is primed to have an explosive breakout year for the Texas offense this year. Uh, Bobby, I also like Leonga LaFowle a little bit. I'm not sure if you're you know, following suit with either of those two picks, but those are going to be my two guys. I'm really high on him and what he brings to the linebacker position. Well, I think Jontae Cook is an obvious one. I, I do because I think he's he started to break into that circle of trust at receiver, right? And we've already seen I, – I didn't – like we've already seen C.J. Baxter, so you can't say that he's going to have a bigger part in it, right? Um, I don't necessarily think any of the true freshman offensive linemen are going to be that guy on offense. I, th I think it's Cook and or DeAndre Moore. Uh, I think that Trey Wisner is a possibility on the fringe there a little bit. Uh, CJ, uh, even a guy like Spencer Shannon, depending on what happens at tight end, might be that guy. Right. So there's some so the, I think that that Cook, though, is the runaway favorite on offense in that regard. Arch Manning is a different category. I think that if Quinn Ewers gets hurt, I don't think there's any question the answer is Arch Manning, actually. Right? Um, beyond that, on defense, I can see LaFowle. But my choice on defense right now, uh, given that Derek Williams, you can't really count him, and Manny Muhammad, they already saw time. Same with Anthony Hill. I will go with uh, Jelani McDonald over uh, Leonga LaFowle at this point, given that David Bend is returning. That's that those would be my choice. Blake, I asked a question like this, similar to this on our YouTube community thread. Uh, this is what uh, what uh, people came up with. Uh, LaFowle and Jelani McDonald uh, there with a little bit. Trey Wisner. Look, Jonte Cook overall, though, just runaway favorite, CJ, to your point. That's a that's a significant margin of victory there. Yeah. <laughs> Almost three thousand votes, too. So yeah, it wasn't just a small sample size, right? These are a lot of people, a lot of Longhorn fans that kind of see it similarly that, that we just discussed. All right, guys. Well, we are going to take some more questions here. And uh, Jeff C says, what time do you think the orange and white game will be trying to fly in and fly out the same day? Bobby, can you give the details so far on what's been announced? So I don't know if a strict time has been announced yet. Um, I know it's been announced. It's going to be April 20th. We talked about this the other day. Would it be the 13th or the 20th? It's usually around tax day, April 15th. Well, they decided to go after it. So it's April 20th, uh, which is interesting. I don't know if they'll have in the afternoon, a midday. Uh, you know, I know Texas has a baseball game uh, that day. And sometimes they try to weave it kind of intermixed with that. Um, but you know, mid-afternoon would be my guess, you know, so they can get the kids out there and doing like one of the things, Blake, that you did last year with your son, I know, uh, was go and, and get in the autograph line, right? It's uh, so extremely he, long autograph line. Yeah, but, but seriously, <laughs> that that actually has to take place, right? Yep. Those kinds of things, 
Texas tries to make it spring game, not just totally about the game, but also the fans getting to experience a little bit of what Texas game day is like, uh, getting the players out, signing autographs early, that sort of stuff. So I don't think it's going to be an 11 or 12 o'clock kick is my point. Three o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock would be the earliest is my guess. Yeah, so I actually just looked back, Bobby, while you were talking. Um, last year, it took place at 1 p.m., the year before, 6 p.m., and then the year before that, 1 p.m. So 1 p.m. may be a safe bet, considering two out of the last three years, that is when they actually did it. So we'll see what happens there. But speaking of the spring game, what are, let, let's look forward, or let's look ahead to that. What are some of the things that y'all are hoping to see from that game, or maybe that you're excited to see even? Ooh, I'm I'm excited as any year to hear about the the battle in the trenches. I think this year there should be a, a couple of uh, themes that are pretty prevalent early on, and that's a dominant running game for the Texas offensive line. Uh, and I also want to hear just how often the edges are starting to get pressure uh, on on the tackles. Those are two pieces in which I think the trenches specifically will take a step in the right direction for 2024. Uh, you talk about Trey Moore's addition, Colin Simmons' his addition as well. These are guys that you hope to pair with Baron Sorrell, Justice Finkley, Ethan Burke, who are also taking steps in the right direction for their own game. How often are they getting to the quarterback? And then in the sense of the offensive line, I mean, you return so many pieces on this offensive line again. The continuity is there despite maybe moving a guy or two around on the offensive line. Uh, but you're no longer going against a guy like Tavondre Sweater, Byron Murphy in the middle of that defensive line. This should be a time in which I hear a lot about the Texas running game really breaking off a lot of runs, really starting to get active and mush, uh, pushing guys around to create big holes in the running game. Uh, that's something I'm right now looking forward to, and that could change, obviously, with the addition of Jamari Caldwell or even another piece out of the portal on the, the defensive front. Bobby? Um, what I'm most looking forward to is the development of the receivers and who they are. Um, I want to see who's replacing Xavier Worthy, who's replacing 80% of the Texas pass game. You know, Worthy, Whittington, um, and uh, A.D. Mitchell, Adonai Mitchell. Um, the other thing I would be looking for is the young secondary, depending on what – I mean, we still have to – look, Jade Barron, in all this news that we've had this week, Jade Barron has remained silent. <laughs> yeah. so, so we're still waiting on that. But I do think that there's, there's going to be, we know that there's going to be a young influx in the secondary this, this spring. I want to see what that looks like. I think that's a little exciting to me because I know what Makuba can bring. If Barron's back, how does this all mix? What does Jelani McDonald and uh, Derek Williams do together? Uh, where's Warren Roberson? What about Xavier Filsamy, Wardell Mack, Kobe Black, uh, Jordan John, all of those guys. I think that's going to be exciting. And then Arch Manning. I'll just, I mean, look, I, I just hear such good things about that guy behind the scenes. I mean, like, I, I think it's a gift that he's sitting a year. I mean, I just, Texas fans are underappreciating that if, 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 if that's possible. Okay. I, you know, like I said, he's, he's trying to play football for the next 20 years, not just the next two or three. Yeah. And uh, Longhorns uh, and Steve Sarkeesian have to think 
uh, a lot of that. But, it, uh, you know, Steve, Quinn Ewers is going to improve all that stuff. But excitement, receivers, excitement slash question mark, receivers, young sec secondary, and another look at what Arch Manning is turning into. Well, you mentioned Jade Barron, and obviously, like you said, we're waiting. We're waiting on an official announcement. But Shane says, "What are y'all's gut uh, feeling on Barron? Do you think he stays, or do you think he goes?" A part of me wants to say that he's waited this long to see what would happen with Steve Sarkeesian before making a decision as well. Um, I I lean. If I had to pick, I'd lean a return, but it's slim. Like I said, it was 50-50 a couple days ago. Uh, the fact that it's drawn out this much, I, I do think he's trying to fix or kind of, you know, get what was behind the scenes nicked up and ready to go so that he can return. That's that's kind of where I lean right now. We'll see what happens. Um, okay. I I I – there's no reason for him not to have announced if he's going pro already. Very true. That's that's and he's already accepted the senior bowl bid, so he can say, "Well, I've already announced too." So I I, I could see this both ways, guys. I I think it's up to Jade. I think it kind of depends on what he got back as a draft grade. I don't think it's going to be as high as maybe he wanted. Is my opinion, um, and I do think that there's a substantial NIL package there for him at Texas, like there was last year for him. Um, and so all of those things combined are, are meaningful. Um, I don't, I don't know. I just don't know about a job. I think he's, I think he's, he's going to make his own decision, make his own time up. I think it's, you know, if it was categorized as 50, 50 earlier in the week, I would still lean that it's probably 50, 50 with a little bit favoring his return at this point. Otherwise I think we would have seen an announcement. But maybe he's also waiting for his own day. I mean, geez, I, I do want to say this about Quinn Ewers. And people were pontificating that Quinn Ewers and his timing of his announcement were proof that he had had conversations with Sark that morning about his uh, returning and all this other stuff as it relates to Alabama. The two things were totally unrelated. Sark, he had not spoken to Sark that morning. So there's no, none of that was out. It, it, it was predestined because that was a, promotional deal with uh, the card company, by the way. So that was a lot of people are trying to tie that together. You can't tie that together. He was coming back to Texas or coming back to school, no matter what that, that decision had been made. He wanted one more year of college football. Okay, guys. Well, let's talk about this from Dax Kelm. CJ, I'm going to let you answer this. He says, I saw an LSU centric tweet from Melvin Hills this morning. Better get that defensive line coach hired. CJ, what are you hearing on Melvin Hills in that situation? Yeah, I'm not sure if it was LSU-centric. I saw it as well. It was more just kind of letting God take over the timing and trust and and everything along the lines of that. Uh, I actually spoke very briefly uh, with Melvin Hills last night following the news of Bo Davis to LSU. Basically just told me I'm trusting Steve Sarkeesian. He wants to see what happens with this defensive line hiring, just as everybody else. Uh, but, again, he committed to the University of Texas. He signed with the University of Texas, and Steve Sarkeesian is going to be that head coach at Texas. Uh, Melvin Hills is, uh, like many of these other defensive linemen that are signed, just eager to see where Sarkeesian goes. Uh, but but he expressed uh, a, a strong faith and trust in Steve Sarkeesian to figure out who that next defensive line coach will be. Um, 
right now he's just in the waiting pattern just as the rest of us are. So, uh, you know, not necessarily anything that leads me to believe that he's going to request request a dropping from his NIL or NLI or anything along the lines of that. He's just in a holding pattern just as we all are. Well, too broke to pay attention. I want to talk about a couple of other young defenders and uh, look ahead to 2025. He says, I have a way too early prediction that Zena and Colin Simmons will be the starting ends in 2025. What do you guys think? They would probably have to pass up Ethan Burke at that point. One or both of them. I, I, I don't know. I, I think Ethan Burke's got a chance to play pro football long term. That's going to be hard for anybody to pass him up. It doesn't mean I'm right. I just, I feel like, you know, there's, look, and I'll, I'll say this, the way PK and, and those guys like to rotate, they need four. They're wanting four at every position. And then what I mean by that, defensive, they want two on each side. They want two defensive tackles on both sides. Uh, they like to rotate. They like to keep people fresh. And you know what? I mean, Texas just played, what, what do they play, 14 football games this year? That's a lot of chance for injury. Name a position that wasn't affected by injury all year. Seriously. Quarterback, yes. Uh, running back, yes. Wide receiver, yeah, Xavier Worthy and was was out or not, uh, was hampered multiple times. Tight end, JT Sanders, hampered multiple times. Christian Jones, at offensive lineman, missed a game. Uh, maybe defensive tackle wasn't hurt by injury, even though Alfred Collins was out a couple games. Defensive end, Ethan Burke was out of game. Name a position that wasn't a linebacker, I guess. Even though we know now that, by the way, Jalen Ford played with a hernia problem all year long. You know, so Jade Barron had a toe injury all year. Ryan Watts was out at corner. Every single position you can think of, Texas had an injury this year. They're looking for depth. So whether or not those guys are the starters, Zena and Colin, Texas needs four, in their opinion. They need four defensive ends that they can rotate. Hey, we're going to come back to defensive line talk here in just a second. But Texas football just posted this, so I want to share this uh, with everybody. It's just getting started. I came here to win championships. That's the goal. We're here to chase greatness, to win championships. This is the University of Texas, and people are going to want to be part of it. It sure is great to be on the 40 acres. <laughs> uh, my understanding I, I can say this now my understanding is that they've they they have agreed to an extension uh it's not finalized uh but uh tex is very confident uh steve sarkeesian obviously uh excited about it as well um look good luck i, I think that all texas fans right now should be excited about what's going on now it's time to take this and just improve day by day by day. You know, what's the next focus for the Longhorns? Well, it's recruiting. Steve Sarkeesian, as we said, is going to be on the road today recruiting. So that's the next piece. By the way, we haven't even talked about this junior day. CJ, I've got over 50 names now. We're going to have to get together because I, I I just hit 60 last <laughs> night. So it's it's exciting. We've talked yeah. about very briefly the num the names of who is coming in. There is so much talent, Bobby. This is a very impressive junior day list. Uh, it's, I mean, people want to see what Texas is like when they're good. And this is, you know, a prime example of it. Yep. And 
Man. I, I was talking to somebody today. This is the best junior day list I remember since Mac Brown. You, you agree with that? Since I've been covering recruiting, it's it, this is the 1-1. Fair. To the victor go the spoils, my man. That's, <laughs> that's the way it's said. All right, we're going to go back over to defensive line talk. we got a lot of uh, questions about it and the future of it. Rob Enfield says, Bobby, where are we thin now? Is the defensive line going to be okay? I think th I think that's the question. The interior defensive front. Um, playmakers on, on at edge, maybe. Uh, unless, I guess, now with Colin Simmons coming in that and Trey Moore, that could be changing. Um, but I worry most about uh, the interior defensive line out of every position on the field right now. That's my biggest concern. They have to have at least one big body, if not two, step up next year. Could that be Sadir Mitchell and Alex January or DeAndre Robinson? I don't know. But they have to have somebody on the interior step up, period. And then you do mention Colton Vostick a minute ago. Clayton wants to know how has he been developing? Will he see the field next year? It'd be great if he could find his way into that rotation. Uh, we've talked about the bodies that are there. The big thing for Colton is getting completely healthy uh, from this season. I know he's a little nicked up dating back to his senior year at, at Westlake. Uh, necessarily didn't have a great spring health-wise either. So getting on the field and really just being able to show what he can do will go a long way to his development and progress to seeing the field in a regular manner uh, because he was a, a very big, impressive win on the recruiting trail at the time of his commitment uh, over Oklahoma. The Texas staff prioritized him, went after him, got him. Now it's about putting him back on the campus, getting him 100% healthy and seeing just how they can mold and shift his game into one that can see the field. But Right now, it's got to be about getting his his uh, his body 100%. Well, guys, before we move on, Bobby, I'm going to let you tell everybody how they can escape the insurance trap. Yeah, absolutely. Our friends at BKCW continue to sponsor us here at uh, On Texas Football. We really appreciate them. Uh, the insurance trap is that uh, term used when a insurance agent for your business reminds me, reminds you and knocks on the door at the 11th hour that you've got to re-up your insurance uh, for the next year. And oh, by the way, there happens to be a rate increase that you were unaware of. When this happens, the agent is really providing no value and you're stuck in what we call the insurance trap. Operating out of their headquarters in Austin and owned by a UT grad, BKCW uses a five-step process to identify your business's weak spots, design a plan, execute it, and monitor your situation throughout the year so that you can lower your insurance costs and effectively manage your company's risk. Uh, we use them personally here at On Texas Football. Proud to do that. Go to bkcw.com or send an email to info at bkcw.com to get started with a free risk assessment or claims audit and escape the insurance trap. Thank you guys very much for sponsoring On Texas Football. Okay, y'all, we have a, a couple of questions about some other younger players, so we're going to get to those. Uh, we're going to get this one from Bo Tex Knows. He says, how's Will Randall progressing as the tight end? Have y'all heard anything on that front? Well, I know he was another guy that needed to get healthy by the time he got to campus. I know he had a, a bit of a knee injury his senior year of, of, of high school back down at uh, Isidore Newman. Uh, that is, again, a, kind of a hindrance if you're not able to get on the field. I know that he should be back to be, 
uh, fully healthy at the moment heading into spring workout or spring football and winter workouts. Uh, so that's going to be something to watch. Right now, I don't have anything more than, you know, a guy that Texas was hoping to get, you know, back on the field in a, in a you know, 100% health capacity uh, than right now. And then this next one about DeAndre Moore. Lexi Coker says, what y'all take on him? Fingers crossed. I think Texas and Sark like him a lot. Uh, they like it. He's got some nuance to his game. Uh, the question is, is he is he explosive enough to really become a it factor for Texas? That's that's kind of the question mark around him. They know he can run the routes. They know he can get open. Is he can he become an it factor for Texas? And then one other one that we're going to ask about uh, Mitchell Murphy says, any chance true freshman Jordan Washington sees some playing time? I don't know. I, I have twofold, you know, kind of take to this because one, I think his athleticism and kind of verticality, you know, uh, ability to stretch the field vertically is, is something that, you know, when you look at the current bodies on the Texas tight end room, there could be a, a little niche role that he could, you know, kind of work out. It's, it's really only him and Juan Davis that provide that kind of uh, approach in, in terms of play style. But at the same time, you, you can't just be on the field as a tight end to catch passes in Sarkeesian's offense. You have to be on the field to block. Uh, I, I think he's only about 215, 220 at the moment. You're going to like to see him at at least 15 pounds before that thought gets to your mind, especially in the SEC. So, uh, there's going to have to be a lot of reshaping and remolding of his physical stature. And before we're able to even, you know, kind of ponder the idea of tossing him out on the field, I think we'll see some snaps of him against, you know, kind of the early non-conference team, you know, maybe in a, a garbage time or blowout mop-up situation. But I, I would be surprised to see a lot of Jordan Washington year one. Tight end's not necessarily a position where you see a lot of early playing time uh, for tight ends, just look at what happened with Jatavian Sanders and the weight that he had to go into uh, before really becoming the guy at the spot. Okay, guys. Well, we're going to do one final question here. And, uh, you know, yesterday we had David Farron throw it on talking about NIL and collectives. And I wish he would have came on today after the Florida State news broke this morning. And this, that's what this next question is about from Seth Dudley. He says, what do you think about the two-year probation of, of Florida State regarding NIL violations? Are either one of you familiar with that story enough to comment on that? Uh, you know, my, my thought on it is that Texas uh, is a little bit situated differently. I, there's no – I mean, coaches aren't running people to, to the – Booster's house, and that, I mean that Florida State is—they uh, just did things a little sloppily, in my opinion. So we'll we'll see how that all goes. But I, I don't want to sit here and uh, point fingers. I think the I think the NCAA is trying to make a point out of a team that has already been dogged on enough. To be honest with you, I mean, hasn't Florida State gone through enough at this point after not getting into the college football playoff in thirteen and zero? Now Alabama's talking about poaching their coach. I mean, like, at, at what point is enough enough? Yeah, when it rains, it pours. Especially yeah. for Florida State. Yeah. All right, Bobby. Well, before we get out of here, can you let folks know what to expect later today right here on Non-Tex Football? I know you guys will be back this afternoon, of course. Tell them about that. 
Yeah, at one o'clock today, we're back with a live stream. Myself, Rod, CJ, we're going to be talking a little recruiting action. CJ's getting on the road to cover some schools this morning. Uh, we're going to do that. Uh, CJ, I don't know if you're going to be able to be with us the whole time. We'll be talking about Sark as well as the defensive line coach. And hopefully we'll get some news out of Jade Barron as well later this week. Okay, y'all, well, that's going to do it for this edition of Coffee and Football. We want to thank BKCW for sponsoring today's show, Manscaped 2. Of course, thank you all for tuning in and for all the Super Chats. Be sure to hit that like and subscribe button, and there's no better time than now to ring that bell so you're notified anytime a new video is posted or whenever we're live because and breaking news this week has just been unreal. <laughs> and so that way you won't miss a single thing. And for Bobby Burton and CJ Vogel, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you on Monday morning. Have a good weekend. Have a good, Have a good weekend, y'all.